This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk podcast, episode 128. I have lost everything on my screen. Uh, we are trying something new tonight. We have a live audience with us. Too bad you can't hear them clapping and hooting and hollering, but they are chatting in the, in the chat room. Uh, episode 128, I am Josh. With me, as always, is Chris. What's up? And Mark. Hello. And Chris is slightly delayed again. Um, Should I hotspot? <laughs> uh, yeah. So 128, we are, uh, it's been a crazy week. We we really haven't talked much this week. We've been so busy. Uh, it's back to school time. First of all, thank you for somethingcool.com for uh, continuing to be our studio sponsor. Check out somethingcool.com. Email Jeremy at somethingcool.com. They do everything from sales fishing, exercise, cool. sales at somethingcool.com. Sorry, Jeremy, gave out your personal email. Um, yeah, shoot over an email to sales at somethingcool.com. Um, it is almost August. Mark, you just ended summer school, right? No, nah, we're still in summer school. Still going. Still doesn't going. doesn't make any sense to me. No, it doesn't to me either. <laughs> <laughs> like, that Sorry. just sounds Sorry. horrible. Like, so, but you, you have, like, you don't have students the month of August, right? Yeah, August is pretty quiet. I mean, we go to summer school till like, I'd say early to mid-August. A little bit of quietness. Everybody starts returning around mid to late August. Is that um, a slurp, slurpy. Sound? That is a slurp. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. I'm sipping my drink. Um, so, is that an East Coast thing? I guess. Uh, y- yeah. I mean, I think East Coast is is definitely later. Um, but then more New England. We really okay. definitely push it back even later. Um, and I'd say most of the districts around us, at least within my state, are like late late august early september we're after labor day why uh you know i never asked the, the question the, the wind is prime time so everybody has their bolts out oh yeah yeah the it's really to go along the the are going. Yeah, yeah it's the sailing season that's it hmm. you imagine you're really busy um, so I guess one of the topics we wanted to talk about tonight is back to school stuff. And I know everybody focuses on back to school when kids start coming back to school and teachers come back a couple weeks before students do. Um, but we, us technology folks keep the candles burning and keep the, uh, we are, we have our noses to the grindstone and we are working hard, sweating long days, leaving later than we should um, dealing with things, a bunch of things all at once. And Mark, I guess that's really no different for you guys. You guys just deal with it a month later. Um, one of the things that we kind of talked about a little bit this week has been struggles with new employees and changing of moving employees from building to building or building classroom to classroom. Chris, I think you struggled with this a little bit more than Mark and I this week. Uh, do you want to take this topic? Yeah. In, in its, prime um in my career uh we had uh 
new people come on and 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 prior to them coming they were sent a personalized letter uh, with the welcome packet of all kinds of great information including what the tech department needed uh, we did some training in uh, like July like early to get them through we always do like a two-day kind of we call it tech boot camp and we've tried to rebrand that because that sounds like not fun and it's not fun so we tried to break that out into two days one over summer and then one just before school would actually start and it was great and it was wonderful and we knew who all the new people were uh, at its worst uh, and, and what what I've kind of been living in and what I hear a lot of people living in is not knowing who's new uh, or not knowing that you know your elementary para became a middle school teacher uh, or this long-term substitute teacher is now going to be full-time teaching this year. Uh, this part-time custodian is now full-time. Uh, those kinds of changes. Uh, and then what are you supposed to do with that? Because they're showing up and they're wanting their account or the principal's asking about when's the laptop going to be ready. Uh, that kind of thing. I think there's a mountains and valleys sometimes. And, and it's not, I don't think it's at all like that I work at a school district where people aren't competent to do their jobs, whatever. I just think there's some missing pieces here or things don't get thought about all the time or people don't see how important some of this information is for the tech department to have. Uh, it's not like it's malicious. It's not like it's like negligence. It's just this is how we do business because we're a school and we're, we're a constantly moving machine. Uh, but it's been hard for me to know like who's, like who's an employee here and what's their job I, you know, what position do they have. Who who uh, ultimately makes that call in your district that says, okay, this person is officially hired and they're ready to go? Ready to go in what way? Like, you're going to work here now? Like, you're starting? Yeah, I mean, is there an <laughs> ultimate decision maker in terms of, you know, hey, I just, this person has been officially hired as an employee, go ahead and make an account? Or so is it just kind of from, the Wild West? From my district? school districts, from my understanding of my school district, if it's a new person, you know, of course, that's going to go before the board. And then that's going to be, we get like an email summary from our superintendent that says, here's the people that have been hired. Some of the missing crap or the stuff that gets in, 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 in between you the cracks is crap. Yeah. Is the, are, are the, are the folks that have a position transfers when they're going from the middle school to the high school. And that, sure, that doesn't sure. get uh, acted upon the same way with the school board because that's more consent agenda kind of stuff, I guess. So we don't see that stuff the same as a brand spanking new hire. And that's so, where we have okay, some so, issues. So new employees, they are, um, in your district, they're approved by the board, and that gives you approval to make the account and get started. Transfers does not go through board approval. So where, where is that decision in your, in your organization? that's where it kind of gets messy for us. Like you can have your directors or your supervisors doing that. Sometimes it's principals from what I understand, kind of like, yeah, I'll take Got that it. person. You take this person kind of stuff. Again, ultimately okay. I think the board's consented to some degree, but it's not like it's like, uh, it doesn't come in that summary that I see that, 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 that yeah. is. So it's not even coming known. from HR. It's, it's right. not an HR decision. It's coming from, wow. Ooh, that's messy. And we don't really, we're Josh's. small school districts, so like HR is a little, I wouldn't say we we have HR and we don't, you know what I mean? Like we have many people yeah. wearing many hats. We ran into a, a, 
problem with this a couple of years ago. And the problem, the, the bigger problem became principals or admins wanting their new staff to have email accounts before the new staff member's contract started. Um, and then the other part of that was before the new staff member had filled out any paperwork with our HR person or anyone at central office, uh, signed any sort of tech agreement or AUP agreement, filled out any sort of uh, or handed over any sort of driver's license information so that we have their legal name. And that was one of the things when I got there was I started pushing to to accounts and email addresses are made with legal names. I, I understand you're, you go by Bob or Bobby, but your real name is Robert. And that's what we're putting on your email account. That's what we're putting on your on your domain account. Um, so that, that was kind of a struggle for a couple of, of years. Now um, we've gotten a pretty good relationship with our HR person where we actually have a Google Sheet that she documents uh, who, the new, who the new hires are and when they've turned in their documentation to her, including legal name, stuff like that, if they've signed any sort of documentation. Once we get confirmation of that from her, we then create those accounts um, and not before. And, and then it gets even stickier. So we don't give our new employees their credentials to anything until they've sat through new in, new teacher orientation um, right. the second week or around the second week of August. So that creates some heartburn at times from administrators who want these, you know, a lot of times it's a, let's say it's a new social studies teacher coming into a building and they want to hit the ground running. So they want copies of the curriculum. Well, we don't just send that to personal email accounts. That's only shared internally through a shared drive. So they want that person to have access to it as early as possible. And that's, that's led to some difficult conversations about, well, we need them to have access as early as possible. It's like, well, realistically, they're not under contract yet. So there's, there's a number of issues that that can create, especially if you have an expectation of them to log in early and start that process before they're getting paid. That, that's like red flag. Um, Chris, to your point of moving, I, I made a joke. We had a we had an admin meeting yesterday morning, and then we had an admin retreat yesterday afternoon. And I made the joke. One of the I had to talk about a couple different things, and one of the things that I talked about was moving of classrooms. And every year, there's a certain percentage of teachers that move rooms. It seems like every year the elementary school plays musical classrooms, and they put everybody's name in a hat. Exactly. They they have two hats. They have a hat with room numbers and a hat with names. And then every summer, they go through the lottery of, okay, Susie, you are now in. Turn the you know turn the wheel. Get the thing going. You are now in room thirty-two. I know you were in room twelve last year, but you're in. So. You know, there, that there's smart the board, and that room's in the right corner. I love the right <laughs> corner. Yeah. Right. So Susie, cre- Susie creates a help desk ticket next week that wants to move the smart board. Um, so you know, there, <laughs> there's always the musical classrooms in the elementary room in the elementary building, and we finally last year when we got new teacher computers, we started naming the PCs to the classroom. Before that, we had named the PCs to the building and to the teacher name. Well, teachers move so frequently and that presented a problem. Okay, do I take my PC with me? Um, now we're naming them to the classroom number outside the door. So now we've we've made the stance, all of the equipment in the room stays in the room. If you want, if right. you end up moving rooms, that's fine. You, you take your stuff, you move the room, but your equipment stays in room. For, room 14 has a PC named room 14 PC. And we're going to start naming the extensions in the room 
for the phone system after the room number as well. So it, it's just a lot this time of year. And that's just new employees and new teachers. Um, you know, we've got to collect equipment from people that were leaving. You know, every, every teacher has a Chromebook, which we have a listener email about that later. Um, so we've, we're trying to tie out all these Chromebooks from teachers that have left to new teachers and making sure we have enough. You know, we've added several, added several positions, not just hired people. We've added several positions this year. So we've got to make sure we have enough Chromebooks like this. This week has been really, really, really rough in our department. Uh, we like broke you're everything. You're down, Josh. Today. I feel like you're down, man. I am. I am down today. Yes, it's it's unfortunate. Hmm. Uh, Mark, listener, Bill, how do go ahead. how do you how do you handle new employees? So I think Josh was about to mention. So listener, Bill, who's in the chat right now, mentioned that they're moving to frontline HR to streamline the onboarding process. Who's not we're, a sponsor? Uh, we're we're. Uh, very similar to that, we we have an automated identity management platform that is connected to the HR system. And when an employee is activated or hired, the account and the Active Directory Google account, everything is provisioned and it flows through all the systems. And the principal can immediately see that student in the sys and start making a schedule, and that goes into Clever. So, for the most part, we're kind of hands off. Uh, for staff onboarding, and then the opposite happens when they leave, the account's automatically disabled. It sounds great, but all the problems that you just described with late hires or people starting before all the paperwork is signed, like all that still happens to us. And um, I'm kind of left with my back against the, the wall when they're like, hey, I need my, uh, I need my account. I'm like, well, you're still not hired in HR yet. Well, they told right. me I could start. I, they told you you could start, but your paperwork hasn't really been fully processed. Your active employee record hasn't started yet. Because I think HR kind of knows, like, well, I got two weeks before the next pay period. I can I can be a little bit late on the paperwork. So that stuff hits us. They can't get into their accounts. They can't get into a computer. So, you know, just today I was getting an email from a new employee from his Gmail account. Oh, And geez. that kind of... Yeah, that's that's the stuff that makes the the skin crawl, right? Is that when you are fully tied to the employee record, those like shoulder periods before and after they start, when they're still kind of either helping right. out or like getting their classroom set up, that's that's the the that where it's painful for me. Um, and I would really love to have accounts created early. Uh, I was overruled on that decision. You know, the kind of the auditing side of the house said, nope, they're not active until they are an active, or they're not active in the system until they're an active employee. So, you know, automation in some respects uh, smooths out the manual work that you have to do. We don't have to type in any names. It's, it's connected to your employee record and we're hands off. But um, all of those pain points that you just described, we still have them. And uh, not knowing that somebody is moving and, and even, you know, contracts uh, start right before the school year starts. But we know who all the new principals are going to be and who's moving and getting that stuff ahead of time, uh, getting people to communicate. This is the new principal of school A. By the way, this principal's moved to this school. We still have all those same problems. Uh, What's, uh, yeah, like that's yeah. We, we have the reality of a new principal or a new assistant principal maybe not technically supposed to be starting until August 1st or whatever, but they're coming in to do a good job and they're excited. So they're coming in yep. early. Yeah. Their background and, check is fine, 
but they're just coming in early, which is, I think, great. But that makes some tech problems happen because we weren't expecting them uh, early or we don't have their paperwork processed right, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and like you said, I can appreciate the fact that someone wants to come in early and get a jump. Like I was in our early childhood center this afternoon and, and there's still a lot of construction going on over there and it it's going to be really, really nice. And most of the teachers that have been hired in that building are there getting their rooms set up now. We're, we're July 27th tonight. Our first day of school is the 21st of August. So, like, they're there a month early. Um, you know, so I, I can appreciate that. I completely understand that. Uh, but, man, yeah, it presents it presents issues. And I'm glad, you know, I, I was really hoping, Mark, that automation was the silver bullet that would solve some some of this it's unfortunate to hear that you still continue to have so what happens in that case you know you've got this nice automation system that you're paying a lot of money for i'm sure what happens in that case where you get a phone call from a building administrator or a coo that says i understand we have this automation and that account's going to be created automatically but you need to create sue's account now uh yeah i i that happens. Um, and I, I will say it even happened when we hired a new superintendent and I said, I, I have to make the new superintendent's account. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we share a lot of HR operations with the city and, you know, you've got some people over at the city side who are very heavy handed. They're like, Nope, you're not creating the account. I'm like, eh, this is, this is the superintendent. I'm, I'm making her account and I'm getting a no from them. And so then we wow. have to do some, some backend stuff. Uh, and that's where I get very nervous is we do have legitimate needs uh, to turn on accounts early, to shut off accounts or turn them back on afterwards after employees gone. Um, honestly, in the in the eye of safety, uh, being able to, to legitimately have people in accounts. So we do have to do some kind of manual labor, but there's always that risk of when you do things outside the system. Yeah. Um, are you going to forget to suspend that account afterwards? Are you going to forget that when the real account comes through, you got to merge the two? You know, those kinds of things happen. And so I really don't I really don't like to work outside of the system. I want to let it do its thing. Um, but sometimes you just have to. And uh, and and that's where, you know, government governance can be a little bit of a risky thing as well or, or challenging thing to get through. Yeah. Yeah, for us, I know that we would have a hard time with the automation, in particular with the suspension of accounts, um, where just what we do in real life doesn't match up with what we do with the accounts. Like the person might have their, like uh, if, if a current procedure, cur- current procedure for us typically is if a person's retiring, we let them have access to their account for another 30 days after they leave. If they're terminated or leaving, it's immediate. Um, Well, however that's put into uh, our financial system or HR stuff might not match up with what our procedure policy has been with how we handle accounts. Yeah. Uh, And I have a hard time. I know that I turn off, you know, the 10 accounts associated with this user because I'm the one that did it. Uh, I guess I have trust issues knowing that the automation thing the HR is going to turn it off like I like at the date that I want them to kind of thing. I you was telling you guys thing. before you yeah, go ahead. I was going to say just infinite campus. I've been impressed with their account cleanup or their account management. You know, you put a start date and an end date on an employee's record. Their account doesn't get, doesn't open up until that date and it will cool. end 
on the date you put in there. What were you going to say? How's the campus going? Uh, it's going. We'll get into that <laughs> later, maybe. I was telling you guys before we hit the record button, um, it was talked about on K12 Tech Pro last week, this account creation, deletion stuff. And today, for some reason, I got to my office and I decided I was going to try to take it on a little bit. Uh, so a couple hours into it, but we landed on between tech department uh, and central office. We now have this nice looking shared spreadsheet uh, that walks us through uh, the steps that a person should take when they're new or when they're transferring or when they're leaving. Uh, and we define the hills to die on. Like I'm not making accounts until there's a mark that says background check is done. Um, and we, we defined it all out and how paperwork needs that I'm not doing this until they've talked to this person uh, at central office. I'm feeling super good about this uh, magical spreadsheet, but I haven't seen it work in real life yet. But I had great conversations. We, and we, I guess the thing of this was that, that was great for me this morning. I've been grumbling about this in the tech office. Again, we talked about on K12 Tech Pro. I talked to four or five different uh people today that are involved with when a new person comes on or when a person leaves, they also had their own set of grumblings that pretty much matched up with mine. Huh. Uh, so even this whole thing, like I get this, the, 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 the user agreement. Um, sometimes I would get like in this case of a para becomes a teacher. Uh, sometimes I would be sent the same paperwork from when that person was a para. I would have liked to have them like, acknowledge something new just the as a check like that i know exactly where they're going again when i'm losing track of like yeah where, like what are they so that lady that handles that she was like i kind of like to have us make them do this paper again and i was like i would love for them to do the paper again so again like i i wasn't asking her about that because i thought i was going to be putting a burden on her but then she's been kind of waiting for me to say something to her about about that so uh I guess my lesson this morning was like, let's talk, let's communicate with each other, and, and hopefully we're going to have the spreadsheet pumping out uh, some faster results on employees coming and going. Keep in mind that you can do uh, alerts on the spreadsheets on cell changes too. So you can email, get email alerts when someone adds an employee that needs to be done. Beautiful. Uh, Chris, why don't you talk about, about one of our lovely vendors real quick, RTI. Tell us what that stands for. Is it Riverside Technologies? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are a proud sponsor of Midwest Tech Talk, and therefore a proud sponsor, uh, one-time episode for K-12 Tech Talk, this podcast. Uh, they're more local, more to Missouri, uh, but they are IT experts. You can get Chromebooks for them. You can get cases from them. Actually, the... Uh, backpacks that we gave out at the Midwest Tech Talk Security Symposium uh, with custom branding. Those came from RTI. So check them out if you're looking for some from anything, for consulting, for, for cases, for devices. What's their website, Chris? It is one, that's the number one, RTI.com. And they're actually based in North Sioux City, South Dakota. Hello. So, yeah, all of our listeners in South Dakota, check out RTI. Let's see. You want to talk about our listener emails real quick? Sure. We have two. Are you excited? Super. Very. We have 
a listener email from Mitch, and he says this. Chromebook as a Me? staff device, say what? <laughs> he didn't say that, but uh, here's... <laughs> hey, guy. Hey, guy. Um, wait, I, what's a good... Like, what do you think Dramatic Mitch's reading. voice is like? Um... I don't know. Mitch, I think Mitch probably like, has a hit me. very I think deep I'm good at voice. voices. Very what deep is voice. it? Deep southern. All right. <clears throat> hey guys, here's a question for you all. Do you see Chromebook soon becoming a teacher device instead of a Windows or a MacBook? Have you guys considered moving your teachers to Chromebooks if you could also run Windows software on them? Something like Parallels or v- <laughs> or VDI? Uh, we have had teacher Chromebooks Kind regards, Mitch. I thought he was done. (laughs) Dang, Mitch, that was a long wait. Uh, we've we've had teacher Chromebooks longer than we've had student Chromebooks. We started with them a year before we did student rollout just because we wanted them to feel comfortable with them. Um, I think if you can get teachers to let go of the idea of being tethered to a smart board, um, and some of the Windows software and fonts that they have, I think Chromebooks are a viable, and Chrome boxes are a very viable uh, faculty device. I'm gonna let these two know. yell at me. Yeah, here we go. Um, I anytime I get that question, I will say that I used a Chromebook in my job for years. I'm personally not on it right now, but I would love to move back to a Chromebook, and it was great. It was very convenient. I did everything I needed to do. I found little workarounds for the little things that I couldn't, I maybe needed to get a Chrome extension or whatnot, but it worked for me. And if it worked for me leading technology in my entire district, there's no reason it can't work for other people. So Amen. I'm, I'm Preach. on board. Preach. Maybe Chris. I need to buy a higher end Chromebook. I, there's, there is yeah. a difference though, right? Yeah. Using a Throw high end Chromebook. You 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 get a little bit more speed. The the difference in the monitor or the screen makes a big difference compared to you know a two three hundred dollar Chromebook. Um, I've heard the well, I don't want to use the same device that kids are using. Yeah. So those kinds of things matter. But those high end Chromebooks and, and a lot of manufacturers make them are great great devices for staff. Our teacher ones were fourteen inch Chromebooks. That's a big screen. Yeah. When we first went one to one. We had teachers with a Windows desktop, and then we gave them a teacher Chromebook. That's because yeah. we wanted them to experience the same environment as our kids on Chromebooks. Now, we're taking desktop, taking Chromebook, and we're giving them a Windows laptop with a docking station. What's the feedback been like? Good. I mean, mostly the and there's different ways to go about solving this problem, but teachers that want to work from home, and they. The whole, I mean, even the question about parallels, they want to do Microsoft Office stuff, and you could do Office right. 365 and all that. Uh, smart board software is big in our school district still that leans towards Windows. Uh, but a bigger monitor um, and a powerful computer. Because basically, we, we're not saving money. We took the price of teacher Chromebook and the price of teacher right. desktop and combined it to buy them a nice laptop. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, we were we were there. Um, I when we did this last desktop refresh, I was pushing hard to make that jump, and uh, was shot down pretty hard by building administration. So uh, we're 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 still riding that everybody's got a desktop and everybody's got a Chromebook. Roll. The right only now. real thing, I shouldn't say that. 
one of the real things that I know uh, we did mess up was at the elementary level, and I, I, did, I, I wasn't in the trenches to see this, and, and I understand it now. They do a lot of stations, right? Like do a lot of like, I have my desktop computer plugged up to my projector, and it's got this countdown thing going, or it's got this worksheet frozen, and I have these five, ten kids working on that, and then I have my Chromebook sitting over at a table, and I'm working with these kids on their reading. Uh, and we're rotating through the room of things, whatever that's called. Uh, some kind of t- learning method or something going on that I don't know what I'm talking Unix, about. Right? Well, we took one of those devices what's that called? away. Hang, hang on. Let's ask our resident teacher. What What's that called, Mark? Units? No, that's not called units. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, I took a device away. Uh and I took away the glorified yeah. countdown thing on the projector. Like I now we, we we could PD through some of that. The the worksheet, you know, you could pull that up and freeze it, and then right, you know, freeze it with your your, your projector, and, and and then move on. We had to work through some stuff like that. But um, don't you have the fancy interactive boards? We at Chris? elementary level we do smart boards, and then secondary we do the Epson interactives. Dumb smart boards. Yeah. Okay. We have one smart, smart board. Okay. Hey, yeah, let me tell you guys a fast fact that I uncovered. I am hardcore stickler. Your name is your name. If your first name, actually, this just happened. My tech, tech Matt, uh, mm-hmm. legit, he's Matthew, right? Like, your yeah. email address is going to have a Matthew in it. I'm hardcore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't care if your middle name is whatever. You're going by your first name and your last name. To everyone in the district except myself. Yeah. I go by my middle name, and my middle name is my... I use it. I yeah. break my rule. We I didn't realize. I know that about you. I don't know if Mark knows that about you. Disappointed. <sighs> Very disappointed. Uh, we, we have a similar situation. I won't get into the details of it because it would completely give away who I'm talking about because this name is very, very unique. Um but we have we have a building admin who has a uh, very unique name that he does not go by absolutely does not go by i'll share with you after this show um so yeah no i i understand that every once in a while you need to you need to break that rule um Chris. let's talk let the other listener Con regards mitch yeah okay What's, Are you just doing a Mitch McConnell impression there? No, you could actually understand <laughs> it. Um, oh, hey guys, we don't we don't get political in here. No, nope. he sounds like he's got mashed potatoes <laughs> in his mouth. Um, <laughs> what's the other listener email? I'm not talking about the incident this week, okay? We have a listener email from Kathy. Can we say where Kathy's from or no? Uh, Is no, that cool? Let's not. Uh, no, I wouldn't. She didn't give us permission to do Kathy, that. Kathy, let us know if we can actually talk about your organization. You can shoot us back an email. Listener email from Kathy. Should I do a Kathy voice? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Kathy, I'm sure Kathy would appreciate it. We know Kathy really well. I'm sure she okay. would appreciate that. Okay. I don't have a Kathy voice. Okay, here we go. I uh, heard the pod talk about the securely lawsuit in California. Uh, I am following. She's following the story as well. Uh, it's interesting that Securely has signed the California DPA and there are no red lines or modifications made to the agreement. 
this will be worth watching to see what actually took place and if they are in violation of their own policy as well as the NDPA. The NDPA states that this agreement takes precedence over any other agreements, so it could also be something challenged. Uh, so really interesting. Yeah, that, so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, we kind of talked about securely is, I guess, in the middle of a class action lawsuit where a couple families in California uh, claim that they have proof that securely sold their students' data to third-party advertisers. Um, so if Kathy... If what Kathy is saying is accurate, which I have no doubt that it's that it is that it's not ac- that it is accurate, um, Kathy's on the top of this DPA stuff. It's going to be very, very, very interesting to see this play out because they could be screwed. Um, it's it's hard though because it's a lawsuit. A lawsuit has been filed. Sure. The burden of proof is sure. on the person filing the lawsuit. So it's yes. really hard to look at this and say, uh, did Securely do something wrong or is just somebody filing Driving a frivolous lawsuit? Or, yeah. yeah. It, and that's what I said. I If this family really does have proof that this happened, I would, one, I'd love to see the proof. Like, And two, how, how did they come across this? Like, What makes them think this actually happened? Um, that's, that's what I'm more interested in. And, and if it's true to watch this play out, because this will be a huge, probably the biggest type of event like this with someone that's signed a DPA, like, let's see the DPA hold up and let's see what happens with this. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. Hmm. So thank you guys. I got a game. Uh Oh, what's your game? This game is brought to you by visor. Uh Oh, Visor is a tool for managing your Chromebooks and IT assets. V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash K-12 Tech Talk for a discount. And they sent me a box. You guys ready? What's in the box? Open the box, Chris. We can... You guys are we never going to We got a high definition audio here. I got to take my headphones off. Uh oh. Of course you do. Well, it barely has internet, so why does he need headphones? It is a visor visor. Yep. Is that embroidered? That looks like high quality embroidery. Yeah, I'm ready to go golfing. Is that high is that high quality embroidery? There's three in here. Is there? That's visor with a Z. <laughs> V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash K twelve. It says it on the thing. That's funny. Chris, Chris has the haircut for a visor. He does. <laughs> High and tight. I, I have the haircut for a winter hat. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> I didn't know I was a visor guy. Yeah, you look good in a visor. It fits <laughs> yeah. perfectly. Uh, it's, it's yeah. Pete, Pete also is in the chat. Or, no, that's Bill. He also that's said that I don't need haircuts. So, yeah, I don't think a visor is a... Is a K12 tech uh, pro kind of thing. But Chris, you pull it off. It, it works. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mark, it's your turn. You said you had some a news article that was going to end up into a question. What do you got? Yeah. So, uh, some more news from the feds today, this time from the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, which, of course, we all know they're the ones who govern the uh, public companies, the, the, uh, the, uh, Wall stock Street uh, yeah. in uh, the stock exchange. So 
the SEC came out with new regulations on cybersecurity risk notifications to shareholders, to investors. So a company, if they have an incident, let's say that you have a data breach or you are, you are hit with ransomware and you have a data breach and you now need to notify your customers that, hey, we just lost your social security number. Well, there actually is not until now. There has not been any rules that state that a company has to notify their investors. And so if you have an incident or they have an incident that does not reach that kind of public notification uh, threshold, there really is nothing that tells them that they have to notify their investors, especially when these ransomware hits could probably change investors' minds. So the SEC is saying, hey, investors, your companies, your, your investors have a right to know if you've had an incident, if an incident has reached a thir certain threshold. And they have to notify them within four days. So my question to you is, a, it's kind of a two-part. A, do you know your district's state, city, state, federal reg uh, regulations around notifying your staff or students and families if their data has been breached? And B, even if it doesn't reach that threshold of you know reaching your state's regulations, do you have protocols in place to notify the public that you have had a cyber incident? I think Chris should go first. I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> he's clearly having entirely... He's looking at himself in the webcam with his visor on. He's smiling ear to ear. I was taking yes. pics secretly. <laughs> um... So, Mark, to your question, as far as uh, knowing regulations, I think that's one of those things that has to be part of your tabletop. Like, you know, you need to you need to understand, and your admin team needs to understand um, those thresholds and what those expectations or statutes are at the state level. And I think that's where having a good relationship with your uh, district attorney comes in handy because. Um, honestly, they they will be the ones, or I would look to them to lead us through that process um, when something like that would happen as far as those disclosures to both the state auditor, the Department of Education at the state level and the federal level, and uh, to our patrons and parents. Because that's absolutely one of those. When we did that, when when you hosted the FBI CISA yeah. uh, uh, deal at your school, it came out that those folks were saying one thing to us that some of us knew our attorneys say something else. Right. Uh, so just because you're hearing the big picture thing of what you're supposed to do, it might not actually be what your superintendent and the school's attorney say to do. Or your insurance company says to do. Right, right. Okay, so two scenarios, right? The first one, which I think we've got kind of down, is like if you have a, a breach of data, your student's family's information is breached, you speak with legal and they say, yep, oh, you got to notify Another scenario, though, is let's say that your food services system is hit and it's down for 48 hours. No data is lost. No sensitive data or private information has been compromised. But you've lost access to your food services system, and that means that your food services operations could be compromised. Do you notify your community of this attack and the impact of it? I think you have to. Um, and. and Specifically with food services, because that is such a 
key thing. So many kids, you know, we, everybody has a certain percentage of kids that that's their only stable food source is school. Um, I think that's something you have to be very, very cognizant of when something like that affects food delivery. Um, and I think most PR people and most district leadership would tell you that's something you'd want to be on the front side of rather than the back side of communicating that out. What do you Chris? do if you're being told not to do something and, like, your heart says otherwise? Get it in writing. Yeah. I, we've had some listener emails about that, too, where, you know, there's a difference of opinion in what you should do. And I, Josh is right. you got to get that in writing. Um, ultimately, it's the superintendent who makes the decision. It's the superintendent who... You know, if if they say that you're not going to disclose something, it's it's their reputation that is that is harmed if if nothing goes out. But I know a lot of people are often in that tough situation. Yeah, because if you go against what the superintendent's saying, that you're you're defying their order, it's grounds for termination. Um, but I think it's one of those things that you know, if you have ducks in a row and everybody's on the same page, you know, you you have things in writing. It's a little harder to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, uh, the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, did have a tough time passing this. They did have some um, some dissenting views, and I believe it was actually a three to two vote that passed it. Um, some of the concerns, though, which is a valid point, is if you are disclosing, especially if you're disclosing within four days, the incident's probably still going on yeah. uh, at that time period, and you do pose a risk of, of further damage. And so they do have some clauses in there that... You know, you do not have to disclose immediately if it could pose additional threat. Um, but you know, if you have a company and you and you have multiple multiple uh, disclosures of an incident, uh, I'm not saying that you shouldn't disclose that, but it's that is a red flag to the public to say there's a lot of problems going on at this company, and a investors are going to run, which probably rightfully so. That's exactly why the SEC did say to do this, but. You know that's a that's a lightning rod to to future attacks. If you see multiple disclosures of of breaches and attacks, um, to say hey this company does not have their stuff together. So it, it's an interesting one. I see I see pros and cons of it. I think we're all moving towards a world where disclosing early and often is way better than the opposite. Um, but there's a thin line between disclosing to the public for uh, information that they need to know and potentially exposing more weaknesses. You know, from from the SEC standpoint, I think this will this could be a good thing for K twelve <clears throat> because a number of the companies that we use for either data integration or delivery of of applications, they're publicly traded companies. So now there's another layer of responsibility for them to disclose these types of incidents uh, when they happen. So I think this could protect K twelve a little bit better as well. Um, yeah. Actually, you raise a good point, too, that they also included your vendors or your partners. So uh, they, a few articles specifically mentioned MoveIt. Um, so if you right. are a, a public company that used MoveIt and they had that breach, you're still required to notify your investors. So yeah. I, I, Well, I do, Solar Winds right. would, be, would be another good one. Yeah. Yep. Chris, why don't you talk about Fortinet real quick? Fortinet, a proud sponsor of the K12 Tech Talk podcast. You can email FortinetPodcast at Fortinet.com. That guy's name is Chris. That's a pretty cool name, I think. <laughs> Does he have a cool visor, though? 
No. Hey, we can't put companies against each other. I know, I know. We need what a, would be we a need cool a f- apparel a f- for Fortinet, though? A Forta hat? Mm. Fort, Forta... I don't know. I have to think. Forta tie? Do you think it would be cool if Fortinet like, gave you like a little logo to put on your school website? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Just kidding. Chris, do you want to? You talked about something before we started about. um, We talked about it last week as well, but the K 12 subreddit, uh, you're going to kick some things off. You're changing some vetting processes. Um, Are you shaking your head? I can't tell. Your internet, you look like you're using a potato for a webcam. (laughs) And it's getting dark because I got this visor on indoors. It's really been something. Uh, so we have been we have partnered up with the uh, K12 sysadmin uh, subreddit. Uh, we're going to help them with their vetting and their moderating. Uh, there's an article posted on K12 Tech Pro about that. Uh, there's been several posts on uh, K12 sysadmin about that. Uh, for sure, hoping before uh, we get too much into August that that we have this thing fully launched. But it could be as soon as tomorrow. But I I think it's tracking for early next week. Um, there's been some, uh, whatever you want to say, getting getting behind on vetting, uh, and uh, we're going to be able to help with that with the team that we have at K12 Tech Pro uh, and, and get to do some cool things, I think, with the K12 Tech Talk podcast, with K12 Tech Pro, uh, and with that community uh, where we're going to pull, just like we pull emails uh, from listeners, we're going to pull topics from K12 Sysadmin like we've done before. Uh, we can dig a little deeper into things like configuration settings and stuff on K12 Tech Pro. Uh, I'm super excited about it, and and I think it's going to be really cool for the K12 uh, community as a whole. One thing that came up on Pro, I guess it was today because I was out doing things and I came back and my guys were all pumped. Someone posted a like a one pager on getting Google MFA rolling uh, for staff accounts, and it was it was. Um, meant to be handed to a faculty member or a staff member on how to turn on MFA, what MFA was, how to get the push notifications, how to get the um, authenticator app and use the authenticator app. Um, They said it was super awesome. It's out there in K12 Tech Pro in one of the message boards. So if you are a member, go check that out. And uh, if you're not a member, go sign up for K12 Tech Pro. Chris, do you want to talk about our final sponsor tonight? Ford, or I'm sorry, Extreme? Yeah, Extreme Networks. You can email dmayor at extremenetworks.com. Uh, more than just switching, they can do all kinds of things, but uh, I use their switches. Josh uses their switches. Uh, powerful stuff, good stuff, and Dominic will take care of you. So this was our first trial of our live stream of the podcast. We still have uh, somebody dropped. I'm disappointed whoever dropped. Um, but we've had a live chat going through the entire evening this evening. I think that's been kind of cool. So hopefully we can continue to do Super that cool. and get that to grow a little bit. Uh, I think that'll be kind of fun. You know, topics will change or we'll have comments from people coming in, and you never know. I uh, Somebody said there's a uh, request to go live, so maybe we'll bring in a couple guest speakers uh, on a couple occasions. So hopefully we'll continue that and uh, share us with your friends, share us with your family. Thanks for listening. Uh, That was episode 128.